At this time, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 4 to 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. Uh, If you're new with us here today, or maybe you're visiting uh, to watch a friend or family member get baptized, uh, our church has been going through a sermon series on the commitments that are found in our church covenant. And basically, our church membership has covenanted together to live out our faith and our church life together in a certain way. And the part of our covenant that we are considering today specifically relates to how each one of our members functions within uh, the body or the local church. Within almost any organization or group, people have various roles or functions. And uh, that's true, for example, in a company or in a business. Uh, the, the, the way that the CEO functions is probably going to be different than how the warehouse manager functions. On a sports team, the way that the goalie functions is different uh, than the way that the forward functions. One is really trying to stop the other team from scoring, and the other is hoping to score himself. In a family or a home, the way that a mom functions versus how the child functions in the home. Or within government, the way that a judge functions versus, say, a clerk. And yet, in any of those organizations, as much as possible, you want everyone functioning as they should. Uh, Most of the time, what everybody does is important and contributes to the whole. When it comes to the church, God has gifted every single church with people who are able to function in all kinds of different ways. And those various ways that people function within the body, within the church, are referred to by Jesus Christ, by the Lord, as gifts, or sometimes as spiritual gifts. So each Christian has something given to him by God that he is then able to turn around and give to the body, give to the church, ways that he or she is able to function within the body. Many Christian spiritual gifts are underused and underutilized. The next commitment of our church covenant that we're considering here today, it's number 15, says this. It says, I will promote the maturity of the church by faithfully using my spiritual gifts. God expects you here, if you're a member, you belong here to Beaumont Baptist Church, uh, to promote the maturity of this church by faithfully using your gifts. Uh, if, if you belong to another church, God expects that of you at your church. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to read verses 4 to 6 as we begin. Paul writes to the Corinthian believers and explains this. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. As we look at this particular commitment of our covenant here today, we're going to work through five simple realities about it. The first one is this. This commitment, it is a biblical commitment. Several New Testament passages speak to the use of our spiritual gifts. And what we want to do today is try to capture some of the major threads that run throughout those texts, and hopefully they will shape uh, many of our perspectives, all of our perspectives. And so we're going to look uh, here today at six perspectives that we must have as we use our spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. We must see that our spiritual gifts are functions or abilities that are meant to be put into operation. How does Scripture define a spiritual gift? Uh, you, you probably, maybe just in your mind right now, would say a spiritual gift is this or it's that. Well, how does Scripture define it? It's easy to think of spiritual gifts as natural abilities and talents. 
Uh, when we say, for example, uh, he or she is a really gifted athlete, or he or she is a very gifted musician, we're often implying that God gave that person a natural or innate ability to do something. It's like he was born to play hockey. But is that how we should understand spiritual gifts? Is it that same idea? To answer that question, I think that it's helpful if we just consider for a moment the various contexts in which spiritual gifts are described in the Bible. And as we do that, I think we come across at least two clues that point us in the right direction. Clue number one, I think, would be the imagery used. As we try to define a spiritual gift, what imagery does God use to describe it? Well, Paul addresses spiritual gifts in at least three books of the Bible, and in all three of those, he uses the imagery of the human body, which is something we know well because all of us have one. And he emphasizes that the body is one unit uh, composed of several different members or parts, each responsible for diverse and various functions. And so when he writes about spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, for example, Paul says, we have many members in one body, and he's talking about the church. It's a body with many members. But all the members do not have the same, and note this next word, function. Spiritual gifts, you might think of them as functions or the ability to function in a certain way. And we've got another clue, I think, to help us understand what spiritual gifts are, and that uh, would be just kind of some of the concepts used in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, that all stand there in parallel. I want to show you this. Uh, if you look at verses 4 and 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and just imagine stacking verse 4, four 5, and 6 all on top of each other, so that you, you had this nice visual and you could see how they were parallel. These verses say this, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. In these verses, spiritual gifts are con- conceptually parallel to two other words. Verse 4 uses the word gifts. But verse 5 uses the word service, and then verse 6 uses the word activities. All those words are are being used for the same thing. Spiritual gifts are conceptually parallel to ministries and activities. In other words, spiritual gifts are not natural abilities per se, but rather they are ministry functions, they are roles, they are activities. And they often involve both our natural and developed abilities, but they don't have to. One writer says this, we may go on to make the generalization that everything about me used in God's service, including aptitudes that I may have had before I was ever a Christian, capacities that I was born with, all of my aptitudes and capacities used in the service of God are to be seen as spiritual gifts. Scripture itself then disposes us to such wide-angle vision of the whole matter of spiritual gifts. And Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Our spiritual gifts are functions or abilities that are meant to be put into operation. Uh, Christmas time is right around the corner. I, I find it super odd, not odd, but it's just unique to be singing Christmas songs today and there's no snow on the ground. It's awesome, but it's a little bit weird. But Christmas time is right around the corner and you're probably gonna buy some gifts for people. People are gonna give you gifts. Think about the idea of re-gifting a gift. I mean, have you ever done that? I mean, 
maybe don't admit to it, but maybe you have. And you thought, you know what, this gift, that was really kind of this person to give this to me, but it's actually perfect for this other person. Or I, ha- I got three of these this year for Christmas, and I'm going to pass one of these along to my friend or, or whatever the case may be. But you're familiar with the idea of re-gifting a gift. Most of us have probably done it. And I think that's a helpful way to think about spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts are gifts from God that are meant to be re-gifted to the body. And that's actually when they become a gift. Uh, when it gets passed on, God has a gift that he wants to get to his people or to various members of his flock, and he wants to use you as the channel to get it there. And the big question becomes for all of us, will this wonderful gift that God intends to give to his people make it there? God has given me various ways that I can function and I can serve within this body, and that becomes a gift to these people. Will I do it? We must see that our spiritual gifts are functions or abilities that are meant to be put into operation. Perspective number two, we must see that our spiritual gifts come in many, many different forms. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Uh, spiritual gifts, all the ones that we see in Scripture, could be put under one of two major headings. This passage that we're about to look at does that. It puts every spiritual gift under one of two headings. There are either one, we might say speaking gifts, or two, uh, serving gifts. Speaking gifts, serving gifts, everything falls under one of those headings. Look at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Peter writes, as each has received a gift, and again we have this use it language, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, that's category number one, speaking gifts. And then next it says, whoever serves, category number two, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Okay, so two broad headings, speaking gifts, serving gifts. Also, we see great variety. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, where we started, told us that there are varieties of gifts, there are varieties of service, there are varieties of activities, ways that we function. And the New Testament passages that list some of those specific gifts demonstrate the the diversity among them. For example, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, mentions these gifts, prophecy, service, teaching, exhorting, giving, leadership, showing mercy. And then 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 11, we have a a different list that that has some of the same things in others. Wisdom, knowledge. Faith or faithfulness, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And, and just later in the chapter there, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, mentions apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating, tongues, interpreting tongues. And then 1 Peter 4, 11, uh, the idea of speaking and serving. Some of those gifts that I just listed there would no longer be operational in the church today, but many, many of them are. And maybe you've thought to yourself, you've, you've heard someone talk about spiritual gifts, you've heard that language in church life, and, and maybe, maybe someone said, well, my spiritual gift is this. And you thought to yourself, I wonder what mine is. 
what's my spiritual gift? And there are these spiritual gift inventories, lists of spiritual gifts that um, sometimes signify that there's a definite number of spiritual gifts. You know, there's this many. And you may have even thought, well, I've looked through the list and I'm not sure that I've spotted my gift yet. Maybe I don't have one. Or I don't, I don't, I'm just not certain. The New Testament lists demonstrate both overlap and difference. Uh, you'll see some gifts mentioned in, ver- in more than one passage, and you'll see differences from list to list, indicating that most likely these lists are not comprehensive. A comprehensive list would include any ministry engaged by the power of the Holy Spirit. The list passages really just give us a nice sampling. We must see that our spiritual gifts come in many different forms. A third perspective that we should have is that we must see that our spiritual gifts are given by the Lord. And this is very important. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. All the spiritual gifts, they're called gifts because God gives them to us. He gives them to the church. And they all come from our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Every single one of the gifts. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. 4 to 11. And as I do that, why don't you just see if you can make a mental, mental note and count how many times God is referred to as the source of the gifts. I think he wants us to get this point. Look at verses 4 to 11, 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills or desires. In the verses that I just read, the source of the gifts was repeated, I think, seven times, maybe eight God is the source of the gifts. The Spirit of God apportions them out as He wishes or as He desires. Verse 11 ended with this phrase, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. God distributes hand-picked gifts to each individual in the body. There is no person within the church who is an exception to this verse, to verse 11. Not a single person. And so if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, God has handpicked at least one ministry function, some way that you can be a blessing to the body of Christ, to the church, some way for you to function. He handpicked that for you. And it may even change throughout your time at your church. And he may have several ways like that. But you have a role to play. Everyone does. I like to think of it this way. There is no such thing as an appendix in the body of Christ. I mean, you can rip your appendix out. You're probably going to be fine. And your body's still hopefully going to function just fine. But there's no part of Christ's church, of his body, that 
that does not have a functional purpose. And God distributes handpicked gifts according to his will. He wants to make it very clear to us that as he distributes these gifts, he is doing that as he desires. And again, this makes so much sense to us because most of us are probably starting to do our Christmas shopping and we have a person in mind. And we think, you know what? For that person, I would like to give them this gift. This gift is the one that I think fits them. And God says, that's what I have done. I, in, in my perfect plan and according to my desire, I'm going to give this person this and I'm going to give this person that and I'm going to give this other person these other things. His distribution of the gifts is perfect and without mistake. And we need to make sure that we always understand they come from him. They're given by the Lord. Perspective number four, we must see that our spiritual gifts require love. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, all three of those chapters are about spiritual gifts. And sandwiched right in between uh, these chapters, right at the heart of them, is one of the most well-known chapters in all of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Some people call it the love chapter. One of the first times I ever preached, I was speaking to a bunch of seniors at a Valentine's banquet. And we're going to speak on love, right? (laughs) And this is one of the texts we go to, 1 Corinthians 13. And while this chapter tells us what love is like in almost any relationship, It is first and foremost about exercising your spiritual gifts in love. That is the context for this chapter. It's love applied to the spiritual gifts. And so with that in mind, I'd like to just read uh, this entire chapter. And let's just read through it, thinking about using our spiritual gifts in the body. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, he's mentioning gifts, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And what Paul is trying to do there is just drive home for the church as you function together as a body, as you exercise your spiritual gifts, there must be love. When your car is in operation, 
there must be oil in the engine. Unless maybe you've got an electric vehicle, maybe it's different, I don't know. But if, you, if you've got a standard vehicle, you need oil. And when your church is in operation, when it's using its gifts, there must be love in the engine. Running the gifts without love is like running your, your car your, without oil. Without oil in your, in your car, the metal component, components, you know, as, the, as the pistons are going up and down, without oil, everything's rubbing together, grinding together. The engine will be noisy and will overheat. It will eventually self-destruct. And we had asked, well, what's the solution? If your car was doing that, I mean, if you went down the road and all of a sudden all the oil dumped out of your engine and you realized, oh no, your oil pressure went down all of a sudden, what would you do? Well, if it was me, I would get my, my car shut off as quickly as possible. But that's not where I would stop. Of course, you want to shut the engine down. That's not the whole solution, though. You want, to, you want to solve the oil problem, whatever caused it. And you probably want to do that quickly. And then fire it back up again and get back on the road. If your spiritual gift engine is running without love and it happens... I think probably all of us have been there. There's a reason that Paul gives us this chapter because it's a problem. If your spiritual gift engine is running without love, what does God want you to do? What should you do? Shut it down. But don't stop there. Solve the love problem as quickly as possible. Fire it back up again and get back on the road. Don't just shut the engine down. Our spiritual gifts require love. And next, Next perspective, we must see that our spiritual gifts run on God's power, not our own. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to highlight verse 6 and 11 again. Verse 6 says, There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. God empowers all the gifts in everyone. And then if you look down at verse 11, all these all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One of our temptations is to try to exercise our various functions within the body, in church life, and our own power, strength, and ability. And we tend to either burn out or we become frustrated or we just find ourselves exhausted and weary. Because church life often demands far, far more than any of us have within ourselves. All the gifts run on God's power, not yours, but his. Um, I like to think of it this way. I think I've stated it this way before, that spiritual gifts come with batteries. I mean, it's so awesome. If our kids get toys and they don't come with batteries, this is not cool. And it's like, batteries are expensive. And I got to buy them. And God, when he hands us these gifts, it's not just here's the gift, it's here's the batteries. Here's the power. All the spiritual gifts come with batteries. They run on God's power, and so we must actively depend on him. Uh, what immediately comes to my mind when I think about this, all these different gifts, I just think of going to Home Depot. And you go to Home Depot, and you walk down uh, maybe the big, one of the big front aisles, and you see all the, the different brands of tools. In Milwaukee, you'll have their display. Ryobi will have their display. DeWalt will have their display. And with each one of them, it's like, here are 120 tools, and they will all run off this single battery. I mean, as long as you have one of these batteries or two, you just keep buying these tools. I mean, they will all run off this. 
And that's how it is here with the spiritual gifts, these grace gifts from the Lord. God's lineup of ministry functions, all of them, every single one, they all run off the same power source. And he says, it's me. I am the one who empowers all of this. And these gifts, they will not run right or at all on any other power source. We must see that our spiritual gifts run on God's power and we must rely on him and depend on him. And when anything good ever happens, if we understand that all these gifts come from him and he's the one that empowers them, then if anything good ever happens, there's only one person who could ever be credited. And it's not you and it's not me and it's not our natural talents and abilities. Perspective number six. We must see that our spiritual gifts were given for a purpose. And actually, in Scripture, broadly speaking, we see that it's a dual purpose. On the one side of the coin is the purpose of the good of the body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and I just want to catch one phrase there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? Why did God give gifts by His Spirit? For the common good. For the common good. God gave you various ways that you can function here for the common good of the whole. And sometimes that may even just be serving one other person, but it contributes to the good of the whole, the common good. And so how might we define a spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is, it's really just a ministry function of a member of Christ's body for the sake of the rest of the body. And it's a beautiful thing. So we have a dual purpose. On the one side of the coin is is the good of the body. And on the other side, though, we've got the glory of Jesus Christ. And we saw that in 1 Peter 4, 11, when it said this, Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Why? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When we function this way, God is glorified. Our spiritual gifts were given for a purpose. And so we have this phrase in our church covenant that reminds us that God expects you and I to promote the maturity of the church by faithfully using our spiritual gifts. It is a biblical commitment. Um, Back to that, that particular phrase in our covenant, that commitment, it's a threatened commitment. And it's threatened to your peril and to all of our peril. What's it threatened by? Well, Romans 12, verse 6 says, having these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. God gave us the gifts. He wants us to use them. And so I think we actually have a couple dangers based on what we've seen. One would be simply that we don't use our gifts. We don't actually, what God has given us, we don't pass it on so it actually becomes a gift to the body. And number two would be that we use these gifts the wrong way. What in a not 1 Corinthians 13 way, without love. And when either of those two things happens, God's people end up being robbed. Robbed of the gifts that he had intended to give them and impoverished in some way. Why? Well, because you and I weren't functioning. We weren't using our gifts. Or we were, but without love. Where do we go wrong? Well, in a lot of different places and in a lot of different ways. What keeps us from exercising our gifts like we should? It could be a consumer mentality of church. Like church is this thing that I go to and I get what I need. 
And, and maybe we think, well, it offers me this, and it offers me that, and it, I get this, and this, and this, and this. I love church. It's awesome. And there's no question that church is, is a wonderful thing where when it's functioning properly, people benefit. We just looked at a verse that mentioned the common good. But anytime we have a mentality that says, like, I come and I get, and we forget that actually, well, God, God wants you to come and he wants you to give then things go wrong. I think that we can also uh, have a Mary-Martha dynamic going on. You're probably familiar with the story of Mary, Mary and Martha in, in Scripture, and, and the one sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and, and she's enjoying him, and she's learning from him, and she's growing, and the other sister's running around ser- serving, and she seems upset, she seems disgruntled, she seems frustrated. And we can be busy doing many, many things for God, and yet actually not living a life of devotion to him. And when, when devotion, when ministry and devotion aren't there together, there's a problem. God intends for us to serve him based on our devotion to him and our time at his feet. Um, we quickly can drift into a self-centered mentality. You know what? I've done my time. I, I served the church for 30 years. I'm going to let other people do that now. Or, uh, you know what, I feel unappreciated and unnoticed, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or I just don't really care. Sometimes I think we have a fear or sense of inadequacy. Uh, I, I don't know that, I don't, I don't know, I'm scared to serve. Or uh, what if it's not good enough? Or um, I haven't been, I haven't even been a Christian very long. I mean, there's all these other people, and, they know more than me, and I'm just kind of new. <laughs> Other times, I think there's an un- unwillingness to commit to things just due to how it might limit my life. Well, if, if I'm committed to serving over here in the church, that's going to mean that, that that's going to have this time slot, and I can't do this. And that's going to limit my life. We're making an idol out of your ministry space. That happens in church life. Like, this is mine. And this is how we do it. This is how I do it. And this is my baby. This is my thing. And then we, we're exercising a spiritual gift, but it's probably not being done in love. We're quickly saying something like this when being approached about a, a certain ministry or serving opportunity. Uh, that's not my gift. And, and I think often we say those sorts of things just because it's not our favorite thing to do. And that's often a misunderstanding of the spiritual gifts because gifts are, are really ways that God has equipped us and enabled us to function within the body. And when we function in those ways, it becomes a gift. Uh, further undealt with sin can always be a problem. Anytime we have sin in our, in our hearts and our lives or relational sin between us, it tends to just put the brakes on serving and love and using our gifts in love. I don't know if anyone here has ever had frozen pipes in your home or with something else, uh, but when do pipes tend to freeze? I've had, I've had frozen pipes a couple times. They tend to freeze when the water's not moving, like at night when you're sleeping. Sound asleep, all is well, and your pipes are freezing. Uh, or you go on holidays and they freeze. And sometimes just the longer that the water sits in one place while it's not moving, uh, 
the harder it is to get it moving again because it freezes or starts to freeze and things get seized up. And I think our spiritual gifts can kind of be like that. God wants you to keep your spiritual gifts going. He wants you to keep them in operation and he will help you do that. Keep the water flowing. And when things slow down and, and for whatever reason, they often tend to freeze. And you don't want to end up in that category. God expects you to promote the maturity of your church by faithfully using your spiritual gifts. That's a threatened commitment. It's also a very practical commitment. And I want to give you a few ways that you can live it out. Looking at texts like the ones we did, and again, we're just kind of flying through various passages trying to capture some of these major threads and themes. But looking at texts like this, it's obvious that God's plan for you is far, far, far greater and better than simply attending worship services. If that's all that you are doing, I'm not here to chide you, but to call you to something more, to call you to something greater, to call you to something superior, because that's exactly what God does. He calls you to more. I want to call you to become a high-functioning member of this church body, of this church family, or to another church family. Don't settle for less than what God calls you to do. Also, I'd encourage you to take a look around and keep your eyes open. We often, I think as we go, we ask, well, what's my spiritual gift? And we first, as we act, we're looking inward, essentially, is what we're doing. What's, what's my spiritual gift? And probably the best way, the, the, the thing to do is not to start by looking this way, but instead to look out and go, well, well what's the need? What needs do I see with my own eyes? What needs do, are, are the pastors and leaders and ministry leaders of my church pointing out? And can I fill any of those? Take a look around and keep your eyes open and uh, where are the needs that you can meet? And if you don't know, start asking. Start by asking God. And, and, and ask your church. And I'd encourage you to do something about the needs and gaps that you see. Maybe there's a reason that God has caused you to see that particular need. Or, or that person in need. Maybe it's because you're the solution. I'd also encourage you to slow down when you get approached about something. I'd be slow to, to dismiss ministry opportunities. It's easier to respond. I mean, something, somebody says, hey, maybe you could do this, or will you? And you, the first thought maybe going through your mind is, oh, I am just swamped right now. I don't have time for this. I have too much on my plate. And so it's easy to respond that way. And, and frankly, at the end of the day, that may end up being the case. Maybe God wants somebody else in the body to fill that role, but it may not be. Or God may want you to slow down and, and retool a bit. And maybe God does want me to do that. And maybe I'm going to step over here and, and function this way in the body because it's really, really important and I see the need. And as you step and you fulfill that role, the role that you were fill, uh, filling and the way you were functioning, somebody else can step into that who's maybe looking for something themselves. And ministry expands. Take the time to wrestle and pray through the opportunities in front of you. And remember that exercising a, a gift, it really involves a few factors. One would be the ability to function in a certain way. But also with that would come the willingness. I, I have the ability, and I'm willing, and now I'm going to do it. And I'd encourage you, I think this is 
Very important. Take a wide-angle view. This is more than just Sunday and formal ministry. I, I could be wrong, but I would imagine as I'm standing up here talking about this that many of your brains are spinning and you're thinking about Sunday or you're thinking about Tuesday night or some formal ministry, which is extremely, extremely important. But this is more than just Sunday, and it's more than just formal ministry. Your physical body, the image that God gives us, your physical body functions 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so does the church body. In fact, one might even argue that the vast majority of what the body does and how it functions happens outside of many of our formal times together. Our church will be as healthy as it, as healthy as it functions formally and informally all around the clock. A word spoken, a deed done, a kindness shown, a help given. The church is always an operational, just like your human body. This is the body at work. And like your physical body, so much of the functioning of the church body isn't seen, but it's significant. And many of you, you're going to serve in all kinds of ways that nobody is ever going to see or maybe even know, but it contributes to the common good of the body. Praise God for that. And I want to encourage you as well to commit to this in your own heart and in your own mind, saying something like this, I am going to find ways to love this body. I am going to find ways to love and serve these people. Whether it's with my hands, whether it's with my mouth, my words, I am going to do this because the Lord has called me to it. There's an infinite number of ways to do that. And I think if we have a proper understanding of the gifts, it, it, it won't matter what your specific life circumstance is. It won't matter if you're a shut-in who hardly ever makes it here. Or whether you're a mom with, with uh, uh, several young children and feel like, oh, I'd love to serve in this formal ministry, but I, I, don't, I just can't right now. When we take a wide-angle view of the gifts, we realize there are all kinds of ways that we can function for the common good. Whatever your life circumstance or phase, you can do that. And it's a grace-required commitment. We all need to put effort in, but we need God's help and grace. Romans 12, verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. The gifts are often called grace gifts. God gives them to us as an act of his grace, and he gives us the help or the supply to use them by his grace. And I think we want to remember, too, that this is a gospel-driven commitment using our gifts for the maturity of the body. It's the gospel that helps people see beyond themselves. As you're using your spiritual gifts, hopefully in love, what's going on there is you're looking beyond you and you're looking at others. What is it that causes us to do that? Well, it's the gospel that helps people see beyond themselves. In Philippians chapter 2, we see our Lord Jesus Christ humbly leaving heaven to come here to earth and die for our sins on the cross. Why? For our good. So that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed. Why did Jesus come here to die? It was for us and for his glory. 
And as we look at Christ and as we look at the gospel, what we see in Jesus Christ and what he did, he's calling us to that same kind of life. The gospel teaches us to reflect our Lord and see beyond ourselves. So I just want to read these verses from Philippians 2, 3 to 5 as we wrap up. We read there, Do nothing from selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind or mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. May the gospel help us to live like Jesus and function like Jesus in our life here together in the body. God expects you to promote the maturity of the church by faithfully using your spiritual gifts. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes with me at this time. And here in just a moment, I'm going to pray. Uh, But before I do that, why don't you just take a few moments there in your seat to pray and speak to the Lord however he may be leading you. Maybe you just want to cry out and say, God, I'm tired right now and I'm weary. I need your help. These gifts are empowered by you. You just say, God, I haven't been functioning like you want me to in the body. Will you help me? However God leads you, you take the time to pray at this time.